Lori Houston's News for the Heart is dedicated to helping you give a voice to your own soul. Our hearts have the power to free us from pain and the struggles that keep us from awakening to our true essence. Join Lori now as we delve into our heart and soul to find the path that will open us to the possibilities and lead us to the life we love to live. And good afternoon. This is News for the Heart. And today, well, it's the end of the month and it's the beginning of the holiday season. And because it's the end of the month, I have my awesome co-host Tom Campbell with me. I love having Tom. We love doing interviews. This will be the first one that we've actually done a video for the holidays. We tried one last year, but it didn't quite, it wasn't in sync. So there were some problems with it. But uh, so this one, this one will be good. Um, We'll talk about, we like to talk about the holidays because it brings in, there's a lot of things that happen around the holidays. Brings up a lot of fears. The first seven years kind of create the pattern in our lives for all of our triggers and all of our fears. And of course, those first seven years have a lot to do with family. But, you know, when we talk about family, you know, there's the expectations around the holidays. There's, you know, us being parents. There's us being children. There's us being, you know, partners. It's a combination of a lot of different events that happen around the holidays that kind of trigger us. But there's also this beautiful energy, this the spirit of Christmas, this incredible energy of love and giving and goodwill that is a very prevalent energy that a lot of us can connect in with. And it's just filled with such magic and love that I always encourage people to, you know, to focus on that. And when they're feeling that, mm, you know, we're going to give you some tips and techniques and we're going to talk all about you know, how to practice all of the things that Tom, you know, brings out in his work. Because this is the time where a lot of it kind of gets triggered. And, you know, with everything that happened last, this past month, um, you know, there's a lot of fears going around. And the more we focus on them, the more those fears, you know, kind of take over. And so it's been kind of a rough road for a lot of people lately. So we want to give you, you know, a show that brings in a lot of love and a lot of positivity because we just have to shift how we're thinking and the fears that we have, you know, focus on us, focus on that inner love that we want to shine out to the world, focus on how we want to be in the world instead of, you know, blaming things that are outside of us and things that we, you know, we don't have any control over. What we do have control over is, you know, that beautiful spirit that lies within us that we can shine out. So, Tom, you are an inspiration to all of us. You have so much information available to people. If you go to your YouTube station, um, you wrote a trilogy of books called My Big Toe. Um, and so mybigtoe.com, you can find out all about Tom and his work. And there's, you know, there's so much information there that's available. So take advantage of it. But we like Tom coming here because we can, we can talk about the practical aspects of his work. So thanks, Tom, for joining us. We love you and uh, take it away. <laughs> okay, well, thank you, Laurie. I see you decided to get your 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 words in edgewise right in the beginning. Huh? Good for you. It's probably your last opportunity. It may be, I you know. <laughs> yeah. 
Well, you hit on a whole lot of things that we could just talk about the first half of them, I guess, and take up all of our time. A lot of very good things. This holiday season tends to be challenging for many people, but it's this combination of, as you say, it's a challenge, but at the same time, there seems to be some extra energy there, some extra love, there's some extra positiveness going around at the same time. So it's a confusing season for most people. They tend to be up and they tend to be down. And, you know, they may be up and down on the same day. It's it, uh, yes. is a time when we break out of our normal routines. You know, the idea that you, you get up every day and you get ready to go to work and you go to work and you don't come home until, you know, in the evening. And then in the evening, you know, there's dinner and all of that. And then everybody goes to bed and then you get up in the morning and you go to work, you know, and we're kind of used to that routine that takes up our day. And then we get to the holidays and there's a lot more time off. There's a lot more family involved. There's, you know, going to the in-laws and the outlaws and the grandparents and, you know, all the aunts and uncles and, you know, cousins get together. So it's, it's a time with a lot more family and relationship than we normally have. Plus, on those off days, you know, uh, doing your spouse, there you are at home together, you know, for several days in a row instead of just, uh, you know, evenings and weekends. Mm-hmm. So it kind of requires you to to uh, explore that relationship some and to deal with each other in a little more depth than you usually do all during the week. So it gets us all kind of off kilter a little bit and out of our ruts and into something a little different. And for most people, different is scary. Mm. And once you are, get out of your comfort zone, the way things always are, you start to get a little worried about uh, you know, how it's going to come out because suddenly you're not in control anymore. You're not quite sure how it's going to come out. So we have all that going on in the holidays. And on top of that, it's the season to give. It's the season to think about other. It's the season to you know open up. Your, your shell, I guess, take down the walls a little and let a lot of other people in. So it's all of that going on. And I think that's what makes the magic of the, of the, of the season. So it's good. We need to be stirred up every once in a while. We need to have more time um, face-to-face with each other, you know, without the TV, you know, without the, the work that kind of protrudes on on our day and give us a chance to feel those relationships, to connect with them, to interact. And that's, you know, that's the good part and the challenge of it is those relationships because that's what's key here. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's, you have, if you took all of, all of my big toe, you'd have the science part Yay, science, you know, that's good. (laughs) But then you'd have the, you know, the growing up and, um, you know, becoming love part. And that's more important. But the core of that growing up and becoming love is relationship. That's really where the rubber meets the road. And the deeper the relationship, the more you have invested in that relationship, the more the rubber meets the road there, because that's that's where it all comes out. So it's those significant others, you know, where we see people in the holidays that we don't normally see. And some of that is because we avoid them. (laughs) 
<laughs> and some of that's because they live too far away. But yeah. still, um, you know, holidays, well, you get to see all your least favorite, you know, uncles and aunts and cousins and, and whomever else, as long as all the ones you like the most. And it uh, keeps everybody on edge just a little bit. But it's good to stir the pot, deal with those relationships. So think of this holiday season as an opportunity. It's an opportunity. You're going to be thrown into the social mix, whether you're social or not, whether you're an introvert or extrovert. This time of year is going to be more social than most of the rest of the year. And some people really uh, look forward to that, and others people dread it. If you're one of those ones that dread it, this is an opportunity for you to grow up. This is an opportunity for you to um, meet with those other people, to interact with them and do so with love and caring instead of with ego and belief and angst and worry and all the rest of that. So think of the holiday season as a, as a growth period. It's not only the big bonus time for the merchants where most of their business gets done, but it's a big growth time for you where a lot of your you know, growth can happen is in this season when we get out of the rut and start interacting more with each other. That's, uh, I think that's really the, the thing to look forward to here is that uh, this is the prime growth time out of the whole year when you're thrown together into those relationships and uh, see what you make of it, because what you'll get will be what you make of it. It's not what other people bring to you. Right. It's what you're going to make of it, and it's how you interpret it and how you interact with it. And if it's a happy time and a really great time and a growing time, that's because you made it that way. And if it's a miserable time and an unhappy time and a sad time and a frustrating time, it's because you made it that way. So it's your choice. What do you want to do with this season that's just about to start? Well, maybe it started already with the Thanksgiving. Uh, what do you have? Boxing Day or something uh, similar like that, right? Well, In we Canada. had a Thanksgiving. We just had it earlier. That's all. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Cool. Ours has more to do with the harvest than it does. I don't know. <laughs> I, I mean, you're supposed to have to do with the harvest too. Maybe, maybe because our climate was a bit colder. We have ours in October. You guys have yours at the end of November. So, <laughs> weather's about the same both both times, right? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. For us and for you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's a it's an opportunity. You know, you need to look forward to it. And a lot of people think, oh man, I've got to go here, I've got to go there. It's busy. It's going to be exhausting. There's going to be all. Oh, I'm going to have to stand there and smile and pretend that I'm having fun. You know, even when I'm not. And well, you need to not do that. Yeah. Get to meet people. Get to know people. Talk to them. Don't just go with preconceived notions. And if if in your estimation they're not nice people, well. Interact with them anyway. Find out what's in there. Understand where they're coming from and how they feel. Try to see reality through their eyes. That's a challenge for everybody you meet, is try to see the world through their eyes, with their filters, with their fears, with their, you know, the way they are. Can you appreciate, can you understand who they are inside, rather than just criticize them for not being the way you think they ought to be? See, that's, there's a real big difference there. One of them is very self-centered, criticizing people because they're not the way you think they ought to be. And the other is just trying to be with them however it is they are. 
And and if they are unhappy people, well, you should feel compassion for them. You should try to understand what's the root of that unhappiness. Where is it? Is there anything you could do to make it better? Well, maybe just being nice to them and caring and giving them a hug might make it a whole lot better. They may be unhappy just because, you know, nobody seems to really like them. Well, the game that people play is that it's a, it's a strategy called, I can't lose if I don't play. So people who feel unlovable act in a way to make them unlovable. That way, they're refusing to play. You see, now if people don't like them, they can always say, well, it's not me. It's just the way I act. You see, whereas if they try real hard to be nice and to be caring and to reach out to people and they get rejected, oh, well, that would be worse because now that's about them. You see, they failed. So that's a strategy that a lot of people who aren't real pleasant are playing. They're acting that way so they don't have the, they think they're eliminating the possibility of being rejected for who they are by being somebody that's not likable because they, they can accept that. All right, I'm rude. People don't like me. But that doesn't say anything about them inside. It just says something about their behavior. The other way says something about them inside. So that's the strategy. So somebody like that really just needs a hug. They just need somebody who will listen and show them a little compassion. And that's the healing medicine they need. Well, most people are like that. If you understand where they are, if you can, if you can be them, if you can get inside their head and feel the way they're feeling about things instead of criticizing, you can find out what that medicine is that they need. You can think of ways that you can actually be helpful to that person. Take that on as a challenge. Take that on as something you really would like to do. Why? Well, just because you care. No other reason. It's not that you're, you know, Mr. and Mrs. Fix-It and you're going to, you know, you're going to fix everybody. Now, that's, that's arrogance and, and ego as well. It's just because you care. So you're going to be with all these people. Why not be there with love? Right. Why not be there with caring? That's your choice rather than being there with you know, criticism and disdain and, right. and that sort of thing. See, I always see when people get very judgmental about others, it's usually something that's triggering them about yes. themselves, right? Like it's usually like, <laughs> yes, there are people that are unhappy and miserable and we certainly know those and we sort of see them. And so our expectation is that that's the way they're going to be. And so what you're saying is great. But a lot of times when we get triggered, it's because from them it's it's really something about us absolutely it's all when we get triggered it's always about us right. you know that's what it means when you get triggered it's about you you choose to be triggered you know you could choose to be different it might take some hard work you can't just choose it and have it happen you may have to work hard at it but you can choose to be different yeah that trigger is your own fear yeah. People, here's another strategy, people who feel inadequate make themselves feel better by finding inadequacies in everybody else. So that's another strategy. There's all these different strategies we have for dealing with our fear. Right. And uh, that's, that's a very common one. So if you're, if you're insecure and you don't feel adequate, you look at all the things that everybody else does that you can interpret as wrong or, or not good or whatever, and then you can feel better 
superior by essentially, you know, you put them down in your mind so that you can raise yourself up. So, yes, when you when you feel those kinds of things toward people, there's a reason for that. It's not just that those people are miserable. It's that you choose to see them that way. Right. You choose to not have compassion. You choose to not care. You choose to probably exaggerate everyone's faults just because it makes you feel better about yourself. Right. Another strategy. Yeah, there's probably a half a dozen of these strategies that just people use all the time to deal with their fears. But we look at the outside world and say, well, I feel that way because so-and-so is a jerk. That's why I feel that way. Well, not necessarily true. You know, you can, you can deal with that situation. You can maybe help that so-and-so, but at the same time, look at yourself and say, why do I feel that way? Why is that important to me? Why does that get under my skin? Why do I get irritated by that behavior? Why does that upset me? You see, then you're going to find your own fear. Right. You see, now you'll find your own fear if you ask that question. So if you don't have that fear, then you will care. They won't upset you, and you may even be able to be helpful to those people. So you see, it's a win-win-win if you get rid of your fear. And if you have that fear, it's a lose-lose-lose. Not only do you feel miserable, but you help drag down everybody else. And that's just the name of the game. So you can't fix anybody but yourself. Start there. <laughs> Good point. Um, I think the other thing that is the expectation thing. I mean, I think, you know, as children, our belief in magic and that things were unconditional and then, you know, things became very conditional and, you know, the, the disappointments we kind of experienced along the way kind of influenced our expectations of what mm -hmm. it's going to be like. And I think often we continue to hold those expectations instead of allowing them to shift into a more enlightened space or a more love-filled space. Mm -hmm. Yes, I think what's going on there for, for most of us is that growing up is hard to do. <laughs> when When you're young, everybody kind of takes care of you, looks out for you, and when you mess up, eh, it's okay. Excuses are made. You're patted on the head and told to go out there and get back in the game, and everything's okay. Yes, the world is magical, and that's because there's a lot of people that you don't see manipulating things out there in the world to make your life magical. Hmm. That's why it works that way. You've got parents and, and uh, you know siblings and other people who are making your life better, taking up the slack when you, when you drop the ball, comforting you when you feel upset, putting presents under the Christmas tree for you and, you know, that sort of thing, giving you encouragement when you need it. And most children have that given to them, unless they're in a very dysfunctional family. They have that kind of support as children. Now, children also tend to be very self-centered. It's just the nature of being a child that you're self-centered. Uh, you know, when you're a newborn, it's you, and then there's the, everything else. But it's you at the center of that universe, and everything else out there is only significant in as much as how it relates to you. And as you get older, you grow out of that. That's what being mature means. It doesn't mean your hair 
turns white like mine, it doesn't mean <laughs> that, you know, you now are three sizes larger in your clothes. Being mature, you know, means that you have given up that self-centeredness of childhood, that it's all about you and that everything out in that world is only important in so much as how it relates to you. Well, unfortunately, a lot of us have a hard time with that growing up thing. And we still want it all to be about us, and we still want that encouragement, and we still want, you know, that cuddling, and we still want the presence under the tree, and we still want the magic and being taken care of and made sure that, uh, you know, everything's going to work out all right for us. And we want that, you know, that mommy and daddy are standing by kind of feeling always. We don't outgrow it. Well, that's just clinging to a childhood. We need to grow up and take responsibility. You see, with growing up comes responsibility. When you're four years old, you're not very responsible about anything. Other people are responsible for you. Well, when you're, you know, 20, that's different. And when you're 40, it's even more different. And so on. As you get older, you realize that you are responsible and not only are you responsible for yourself, but you're responsible to other people as well. And then you realize that because you interact with a lot of people, what you do affects others. What they do affects you. Well, what they do that affects you is just things you have to deal with and deal with you know, as gracefully as possible. What you do to affect them, you have complete control over. So you should get a grip on that and make sure that what you do to affect others optimizes those others. Because if they're optimized, then you'll be optimized in their relationship with you. You see, it, it, all, it all adds together. It's not only do all the people who are unhappy and, and immature and self-centered and full of fear pull each other down, but the people who are full of love and caring pull each other up. You see, it works both ways. And even if you're the only one pulling on everybody up, that's okay. That's good. And that will make you feel good. And that will give you energy. Only if you are full of fear will you end up with, I'm the only one that's, you know, I'm the only one that's trying. I'm the only one that's being good. Everybody else is miserable. It's just me. Well, that's your fear again. You see, that's, oh, woe is me. That's your, you know, that's a, that's pity, self-pity, poor little you, you know, you try, try and try like the little red hen, you know, and nobody wants to help you. And that's just your fear talking. That's your ego. And you believe that, but that's part of your problem. You take responsibility for being the best, most loving person that you can be making those choices, period. It's not about what other people do. It's what can you give, not what can you get, is the, is the key. So, yes, that is a problem, these expectations. But they're the expectations of childhood. They're the expectations that you're supposed to grow up uh, or grow out of. And, you know, we, we, you talk about the, uh, you know, the, the elections that we had and how people, or a lot of them, are on edge. Well, an awful lot of what was motivating people was their fear. Yeah. People were fearful, and as they're fearful, they want some. They want daddy to come and fix it. That's called an authoritarian 
viewpoint. You want the authorities to come in and take care of it for you, to fix it, to make you safe, you see. And that's an abdication of your responsibility. That's you're still being a child. You still want daddy and mommy to come take care of you and fix it. So, yes, you want a strong daddy to, you know, to be out there on your side and, and take care of you. And, and the stronger they are, then the, the more safe you feel. It's that sort of thing. So a lot of that was playing out, you know, in that election. A lot of people were motivated by fear. Mm. And we live in a more, a much more fearful place than we ever have before. Not that the place is really much worse. It's just we're more afraid of it. You know, we have uh, a lot more fear. And, um, you know, then when I was, when I was young, things were very different. There was much, much less fear in the land. And it's not that everybody was better behaved and, and nicer and there just wasn't any crime and no bad guys <laughs> existed. All of that was about the same, I expect, as it is now. Probably worse. But... People never locked the doors to their houses, ever. People left their keys in the car when they went shopping. That way they wouldn't have to fumble around trying to find them or lose them, you know. And people didn't steal cars. And people's children would run off to the neighborhood playground, you know, three or four blocks away and play and come back mm -hmm. when it was dinner time, you know. Now you don't let the kids out of your sight. You know, if they get out of your sight, you panic because some evil person is going to, you know, steal them. The risks weren't a whole lot, you know, less then than they are now. Like I say, probably even less. But our fear is so much more now than it was then. And when you live in a state of fear, you're dysfunctional. And you tend to start looking for somebody else to take care of you because you feel insecure and you don't seem to be able to find that security you know, on yourself. You're frightened of the world. You're frightened of everybody in it. You're frightened of people that don't look and act and think like you do. You know, you're afraid of differences. You, uh, diversity means uncertainty, and uncertainty is scary. So that's kind of the turn our culture has taken. It's been a lot more fearful. Well, why has it done that? Well, it's not just been by accident. It's done that because people have learned that the way to manipulate others is by their fear. So advertisers, marketers, politicians, you know, you name it, uh, you know, priests, everybody that's out there in our culture that has positions of authority and power who would like to be able to manipulate people to do what they want, whether it's because it makes them more money or gives them more power or whatever, they've all been working on pumping up the fear because that lets them control. If you know somebody's fears, you can control them very easily. Mm. It's a very simple thing. Your fear is a big handle on your back that lets anybody reach out and grab that handle and make you dance any way they want you to dance. So that's why we live in a very fearful place, because before we didn't have the massive uh, communication systems we have now. Before, yes, you'd have demagogues get up on the street corner in a little town and they'd talk and they'd whip everybody up into a frenzy and fear. And OK, but it didn't go more than about 
10 or 20 miles in any direction because everything was kind of small and the communications weren't so wide. Now you can get that same demagogue talking to 200 million people all at the same time. You see, it's a totally different effect. And now fear feeds on fear. So people are fearful makes other people more likely to be fearful. And the whole thing kind of snowballs to you have a society that is just terrified you know, to go outside, drive your car, go to work, you know, send your children off, you know, every, everybody's out to get you sort of thing. Well, we used to call that paranoia. You know, now we, you know, now we call it normal, you know, it's now we call it smart, you know, you gotta, you gotta be smart and not uh, be uh, open to these horrible things that are out there behind every bush waiting to get you. And if you're not, then you're foolish. You're taking more risks than you should. And that's just our mindset. So as we get into this holiday season, we need to kind of let that fear go. So this is a time for fun. It's a time for play. It's a time for, you know, friendship renewal. It's a time for caring and giving and loving and seeing if you can't see the world from others' perspectives. See if you can't experience reality. What is their reality like? You know, everybody lives in their own reality. None of us live in the same reality. Reality is subjective for the most part. And what is somebody else's reality like? And if you actually understood it, compassion wouldn't be that hard to come by. It's when you don't understand it where you get angry instead of compassionate. You judge everybody by your own fears. And that usually is, is fear, dragging fear further down. That's not good. So think of this, this holiday season as a, as a challenge. This is the one that you're just going to have a good time. You're going to meet people. You're going to see them for who they are, not for what you want them to be. Yeah. So that, that is, that's a beautiful way to look at the world. Um, and, you know, we would much rather, again, of course, project it out to someone and blame them for everything that's sort of happening or going wrong in our lives. Um, mm. But when we're around family, um, so let's get some tips for, you know, parenting. So your parent, you know, how can we, I mean, the childlike, I get what you're talking about. For me, the childlike innocence is a good thing. The childlike that everything is about me is not, but that innocence where we see the world with fresh eyes, where we can, you know, not have all the judgments and all the things that usually come to us very quickly because of our experiences and, and our fears. Um, the innocence and the magic of the season is just, it's a beautiful energy. The mm. problems arise usually when we're around people that I guess we've always seen them in a certain pattern and so we expect them to follow that same pattern and we don't change and so they don't change and <laughs> and so it stays. <laughs> yeah, well, you, you know that, that uh, innocence you're talking about is mostly just an absence of fear. Right, right. It's we just don't, mostly just an absence of fear. Yeah. You're just not frightened or not afraid then when you're not, everything is, is okay. Everything is good. Everything is fresh. 
Um, you have you know, so everything. much more courage. I mean, you, because you're not yes. you're not thinking about anything possibly going wrong. When you're four, you don't think about that, right? You think no. everything's going to be, yeah. everything's always been taken care of. Right. You just think today is going to be fun. Yeah. And what are you going to do today? And if Play. You get, if you get upset, fun. it lasts for, you know, a couple minutes and that's it. Mm-hmm. Right? You don't, you don't, you don't labor into it and make it drag you down and you know get vengeful about it for weeks upon years it's just it's light it's yeah yeah well that's just the lack of fear that fear um, that fear grows and uh, so how do we change it would be be nice if the self-centeredness you know the self-centeredness uh changes i guess in in a, in a sense but you're self-centered when you're little but at the same time you're open you know yes it is all about you but there's this whole big world out there that just you know is is like a big piece of candy you know there's a whole world out there and it's just wonderful it's going to be fun to explore it right. it's that kind of an attitude right yeah well you need to keep that attitude right. always and then and on top of that, you need to let go of that self-centeredness, and then there you are. Now that's where you're trying to. That's where you're trying to go. It's that um, you know, good attitude, no fear. And at that point, you know, you'll find that there are very few people that you can't like. Right. Now there, there's there'll be some people that you just as soon not live with. Yes. <laughs> but there'll be very few people that you can't like. Have you know, spend three or four hours with them. And enjoy it, learn from it, gain from it. Even if it just helps you learn how to let go of your ego, you know, you can you can learn from it. You can have a good time with people. You, you know, and I can say yes. There's some you'd rather not live with because you know every day would be a little harder for you to do that. But that's another challenge. See, that's why the people you do live with are really your most important and significant teachers your most significant teacher is probably your significant other you know after that it's probably immediate family you know these are your big teachers because these are the people where that ego just comes out up to the surface and is there all the time these are the people that just ring your bell and push your buttons and twist your tail and that's where you can grow the most. That's your, you know, that's really the place that you should focus is with that significant other and with those people you're you're most close to because that's where the ego runs amok. That's where it's hard for you to just act nice, you see, because you are living with them all the time and therefore it's harder to pretend. So your real self comes out. You can pretend with Aunt Susie or Uncle Fred for a few hours and be polite and nice and smile all the time. But you can't do that, you know, 24-7 when you live with somebody. So it's it's those people that are the biggest challenges to us. And that's where we should really focus on, you know, seeing them. And then in this extended family that we get into in the holidays, that just broadens that. But it's the same idea. That just broadens that a lot. And for two or three weeks here in the middle of winter, we get to uh, have an opportunity to be gracious and caring with a lot of people. Yeah. And what a, what a great opportunity. 
You know, what a really great opportunity to learn to give and to be make it about others and not about yourself. How how can I serve? How can I help? And getting upset isn't helping anybody, you or anybody around you. That just is pulls everybody down. So that's the place not to go. Right. Yeah, life is uh, life is fun. It's full of it's full of challenges. You know, I've always told people that you know my wife is my greatest teacher. And she probably always will be. I suspect I'm her greatest teacher as well. That's just, you know, the way it is. But she's taught me more good things than, you know, than I could count. And she's still teaching me things. And that's, that's good. So we need to, we need to learn from, from family, from those people, from all of them. And then when you see others, it just kind of gives you more variety. So that's, that's good. I always love the, the Thanksgiving, you know, through New Year's. That's just a, a really neat time because people tend to be up. Mm-hmm. Well, I guess it actually makes people split. There's some that tend to get be up, have a twinkle in their eye, look more positive, get more energy, and they just kind of bustle around and they really get into it. And then there's those that do just the opposite. Yeah. They kind of shrink back, you know, put up a few more blocks into their wall, you know, go back a little deeper into their cave, and they dread the whole thing. Because it's it's not what they want. It's not the way they hope it to be. They don't feel the connection with people. And, of course, that's because they've disconnected themselves from those people. And then they feel bad that they don't feel the connection with people. So why, you know, another holiday season and everybody's out being joyful and happy and social and they feel like hiding and waiting for the whole thing to go away? Well, that's just fear has done that to them and made them make very poor choices. So now's the, now's another holiday season. All right. You have another chance this year, folks, you know, step right up, see how much love you can spread between now and the end of the year. That's a challenge. And I guess one of the things I would invite people to do, like, I mean, I think one of the problems when a lot of people get together is, you know, depending on what your natural temperament is, you know, we do get into the gossip and we do get into, you know, talking about all the the real heavy things. Like, I don't know why we do this to ourselves. I don't know why we watch the news. Do you know what I mean? Like, I don't know why Mm -hmm. people do that to, because it, there is nothing positive in the news. Like it's kind of there to Mm -hmm. create and manipulate fear so that they can try and control and manipulate us. I mean, it's, there's so much. And so when big groups get together, I mean, yeah, we talk about, you know, old times and good times, but then, you know, we'll get into these real conversations. So like, I would invite people, you know, don't have the news on at any point during the holidays and, (laughs) you know, don't get into political discussions or religious discussions or something that is going to, you know, where there are, you know, tensions between, because we tend to bring up those things that, you know, mm-hmm. create more fear and yeah. tension. Yeah, one of the reasons we bring those things up is because it lets us avoid saying anything personal. Ah, right. That's one of our reasons for that. You know, we get in a group of people, all right, this is a group of people, they're all family members, we go back for 20, 30 years, what are we going to talk about? <laughs> 
well, <laughs> let's not talk about anything personal. You know, let's talk about the weather, or then we go to politics, religion, and all those things that are very, you know, divisive, and it just create uh, division instead of unity, and then it ends up in arguments, and yeah. then everybody leaves upset. You know, yeah. it's that sort of thing. And it's just—it's almost a guarantee that that's the way it goes. <laughs> but if we could talk about things that were personal, you see, that would be really more interesting to people because this is your family. You know, what are these? What are you feeling? What do you? What are your? What are your hopes and dreams today? Uh, you know, what what lessons have you learned in the last? You know, since last year, what's going on in your life? If you could discuss these things, that would really be helpful to each other. But we don't trust those people with that kind of information, you see, because we're fearful. Mm -hmm. And they will just gossip and they'll, you know, they'll get it out of context. And, you know, it's, it's this thing of you won't look bad and you can control your image as long as you keep all the information quiet and to yourself. <laughs> so you don't divulge anything with the idea that that will cause the least damage than if you share anything. But see, that's just setting yourself up for failure. Mm. What succeeds is if you're open and you're straightforward. And it doesn't matter what those other people think. You're just being you. doesn't matter who they gossip or tell it to or whatever. That's all their problem. That's not your problem. So it's being open. Now, maybe sometimes it could be your problem. You know, if you're with, a, if you're with a, your boss, you know, at work at an office party. Well, you probably should be a little careful about getting too social because that's more of a professional connection, not a personal connection. So personal information there may be you hold a little closer because work is not a personal place. It's a business place. But if you're with your family, that's not the case. You should feel less frightened, more able to just be who you are and tell people the way you feel about things, but it doesn't have to be the way you feel about religion and politics. It's how you feel, you know, about life, about growing up, about uh, your concerns for your children or, you know, your concerns for your parents because they're getting really old now and maybe not driving the car too well or just all the family kind of stuff about uh, what's important in your life. And don't talk about your work either because that's not all that interesting to other people <laughs> except the people at work. So... Especially if you are unhappy about your work. <laughs> yeah, especially if you're unhappy about your work. Yeah, you know, there's another thing that I notice. One of the things as I get in social situations that I kind of watch, I tend to listen more yeah, than too. I talk. That's just me. I'm an introvert, so I sit and I listen. Wow, I that is so hard for me to believe, Tom. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it is, isn't it? Yeah. But, you know... I guess if everybody suddenly was quiet and turned around and looked at me and said, Tom, you know, tell me about such and such, I'd probably go on talking for a long time. Yeah, yeah. But I listen most of the time. And one of the things I, I notice is how often people complain, how mm -hmm. often people say mm -hmm. things that are negative. And there's a lot of people that if you subtracted out all the negative things they say, they complain, you know, this isn't right, that isn't right, their job isn't right, you know, work isn't right, their health isn't right, you know, the relationships aren't right, and it just goes on and on and on. If you subtracted out all the things they talk about that are negative, they'd be silent. Mm -hmm. There wouldn't be anything for them to say. And in two or three hours, 
not a single sentence comes out that's positive. They only see the world as a problem. The world is just a place that has a lot of problems for them. And that's how they see the, the whole world. It's just like that. Their relationships, their friends, you know, everything in the world is a problem. And that's really sad because they're all very unhappy people. When you get to that point where everything you say, you're either being critical, you know, you're, you're putting somebody down, you're brushing somebody off, you know, that is a sad place to be. And I generally try to find a way that I can go up and say something nice, something positive to those people. Anything, you know, just tell them they look nice today or tell them, uh, you know, just any kind of thing that's a positive thing. And you'll notice that if you even bring up something that's, that's positive, that's easy to talk about, like, boy, it sure has been a great day today. You know, the sun's been shining. It's been warm. It's really nice. They'll change the subject. Yeah. They won't talk about anything that's positive. Because yesterday it was rainy and it right. was miserable and it was cold. <laughs> right. They'll go tell you about that yes. or about how bad the weather's going to get yes. or something else. Mm. But they just can't bring themselves to say anything that is positive. Well, those people just need a hug. Those people just mm. need some more positive things in their life to help them see the world differently. Another thing I notice is people who have a capital I in almost every sentence. Almost mm -hmm. every sentence begins with a capital I. I this, I that, me this, mine that, and it's constantly about them. And they really can't talk about anybody or anything except in terms of themselves. And that's another uh, marker of somebody who's really not having a good time. Somebody who is feeling... Uh, you know, like they're, a, like they're a small animal cornered someplace, you know, with all the big dogs around them with their teeth showing and growling. And that's the way they see themselves in the world. Yeah. They see themselves as, as um, a victim. They see themselves as being, uh, well, I don't know, persecuted. Not, not really. Those terms are maybe too strong. But they see themselves as, as not um, really what, in charge, yeah. empowered yeah. to do anything or be anything. They're always on defense. And as they speak, you'll see that about 80% of every sentence they speak starts with a capital I. Hmm. And that's another thing. And you'll see other people who hardly ever use a capital I and who never say anything negative. And those are the people everybody likes. <laughs> everybody wants to be around those people because they're positive and they're upbeat and it's not all about them. And uh, they are the, uh, you know, they just shine like little stars, you know, in their, in their places. So it, it's interesting. That's another thing you can do this holiday. You're going to be around a lot of people. Just listen to those people. Listen to what they say. Not the, not the content of whatever they're talking about, but just how are they saying it? Well, how are they, how do they see themselves? You know, do they see themselves as poor, beaten down, you know, downtrodden, unfortunate victims, or do they see themselves as empowered, happy people, you know, glad to be alive and glad to be there? And you'll see a huge difference and it becomes real obvious after a while. And then you can be helpful to the people who need a little extra help.
and not just ignore them and go hang out with the positive people because that's more fun. Yeah. You know, that's what we tend to do. But uh, it's better to go to the people who are not so positive and see if you can't say something to get them to respond in a positive way. And it may be challenging. Sometimes it's hard. But uh, it's, a, it's an interesting and kind of a fun thing to do. Hmm. To see if you can't add a little something positive to their uh, life. Ask them a question about something that you know has a happy ending or, a, or is positive in their life, something that, that happened good to them, and bring, bring that up or something that may happen good to them. Well, I like to just get them to refocus. Well, what do you want? Like, you're talking about all the things that, you know, kind of make you miserable, but like, what do you want? But as you were talking, I was trying to think, like, what would be, you know, fun exercises to do with family? And I thought, you know, Thanksgiving, that always, you know, that, that beautiful exercise of what you're grateful for. But then I was thinking, what about something more personal? Like, you know, you know everybody usually writes some sort of message in a card, but why don't, instead of we just writing something generic, why don't we write something that, you know, is that we're grateful for about them or, you know, something that we see about them that is, you know, something we admire about them. Like just to pick up little things because that can completely change how someone's feeling. Absolutely. Absolutely. What can you give? See, that's the question. What is it that I can give? What can I say? How can I be that will make other people feel better? that I can empower other people. You know, how can, I, how can I do that? And that ought to be the way you interact with people. Right. And we should watch ourselves. Look at our own language because we'll, you will surprise yourself if you start to be aware of the things you say and whether they're positive or negative. Yeah. And you'll find out that particularly with that significant other, you're likely to be saying things being critical saying things that are, you know, pointing out a problem, pointing out a failure, pointing out they didn't do this or they didn't do that or they should have done it another way or that didn't work out too well. And pretty soon you realize that 90% of everything you say to your significant other is about a problem, something that they didn't do as well as they could have. And that's what you're focused on, not all the things that, you know, not that they're just there. And that's wonderful because they're there in a part of your life. It's, mm-hmm. you, that kind of stuff disappears. And you realize that you're one of those people that is negative most of the time and don't even know it. You don't know you're being critical. You think you're just being helpful. Yeah. Well, I'll help, I'll help them learn you know, to do it a better way. I'll point out the errors and what they did and <laughs> why you shouldn't do it that way. And I'm just being helpful. Mm. See, no, you're not being helpful. <laughs> You're being critical all the time. You know, it's just the details. I don't mean big things. Yeah. I mean the tiny little things. You know, the, just the, the simplest little things. It's a, you know, well, don't stir that too much or you'll make it, you know, this will happen. Or don't, you know, don't leave that in the oven, you know, any longer than this because you're always instructing, telling others what to do, how to do it. And then if they don't do it right, you're telling them what it is they did wrong and how they should have done it. And that's the way most of us are with our significant others and with our family. And, of course, other people don't like it. And you don't like it when it's done to you. But we do it and we don't notice it in ourselves. We don't notice it being negative. We just think we're being helpful. We're just giving a little hint. uh, You know, it would work better if you did it this way. And, well, 
people need to live their lives in their own way. Yeah. You see? That's they don't need your little hint. Let them just do however they do it and let them learn. If they find out they stirred it too long and it starts to get thicker than it should be, well, let them do that and let it get thicker than it should be and don't, make a, don't mention it. Just say how good it is <laughs> and how that little bit extra thickness is, makes it different, you see? <laughs> and they will, in their own mind, say, yeah, but actually it would be better if it wasn't like that. You know, Maybe I stirred it too long and now they'll learn something and they'll be happy about it. Whereas if you tell them, they will push it away because somebody is correcting them and they don't like that. So your help is really a negative help. Now they'll have to stir it longer the next time too, just to maintain <laughs> their self-esteem that you didn't you know, tell them what to do or how to do it. You know, teenagers are like that, right? That's the way we interact with our teenagers. We criticize them all the time. We're always telling them the way they should be, what they should be doing, how they should be acting. And it goes on and on and on. And then we wonder why they get defensive. <laughs> you see, they don't like it. They don't like being told. We don't like it either, but we do it to everyone. That's because we're self-centered. We know. Everybody should do it the way we think they should. And we don't give people the ability to just be themselves and do it the way they do and learn from their own mistakes in their own way, in their own time, without you having to help them out by pointing it out to them, you see. So that's another thing with, in the social time of, of uh, the holidays. Watch yourself. Be aware of what you say. Hmm. Little things. Not that you're being mean or anything. You're just trying to help. And just think how that trying to help, you know, hear, you know, how the other person hears it. They hear it as, you did it wrong. Right. You're inadequate. Right. You don't know how to do this. Listen to me and I'll tell you how you should do these things. They hear something critical. They hear a put down. They hear something that, that um, kind of pokes at their fear of being insecure or inadequate. It just riles that fear up. Well, you make that fear worse, and now you help them go backwards, not forwards. So that's another thing. Let people grow up in their own way. Let them make their own mistakes. Let them do things that are inefficient, ineffective, and don't work well, and let them learn from it themselves. And if you do feel that it's appropriate to help them out by telling them something, do it in a gentle, positive way, not in a, you're wrong, here's how you do it right. And that specifically should be good advice to parents dealing with teenagers or not even teenagers. You know what? Eight and up, ten and up. Yeah. Yes, they need a lot of correction. No doubt they do a lot of foolish things. They make a lot, you know, they have a lot of poor judgments. But there are ways to work with that that aren't just, you did it wrong. Right. Do it this way. That's not right. Do it this way. <laughs> That's not so helpful as to, you did it the best you could, and it was really very good, but you know, one, you know, here's an option. You can continue to do it the way you're doing, that's fine, but here's an option, da 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 Not, here's how I do it, and I do it the right way. You see, that's not the right approach. So we, we, can, we can make our lives happier just by being aware of what we're saying and how we're saying it, the way we think. And if we feel like we're in charge and we know better about everything, and that's the way we act with people, people really don't like it. 
And they're really, that's hard on relationship. That makes people push away. They don't want to hear that. They don't want to always hear how they're wrong. Think about something nice about each person as you go to meet them. Like think about it before you go and then focus on that. Like focus on their generosity or, you know, find something that you're grateful about each person and focus on that. Like allow that to be what you're thinking when you move into the experience instead of, you know, all the things from the past that usually come up. Like think, I don't know, like just be there, be there for them, be there and think of something that's nice. Yes. And a lot of times it's just a matter of the way you say it. Yeah. There's things that you yeah. can say that come across as being either bland or negative that you could just twist that a little bit and make it positive. Yeah. So it's not that you really have to find something that you can praise somebody for, no. but you can just find just any kind of little thing and if you can't find anything, make something up that's credible, right? Uh, compliment them on the way they look, on, uh, you know, uh, the twinkle in their eye or the smile they have or just anything that you can think of. And uh, it shouldn't be all that hard, but it's, it's the way you present things. Again, you tell somebody, well, you haven't done that right. Yeah. That's not a good way to present. You know, what you want to do is is give people guidance. Let's say they're your teenagers. Instead of saying, oh, you, you screwed that up. You didn't do it right. Here, do it this way. That's really not very helpful. That almost guarantees they won't do it mm. the way you're saying, at least not mm. if you're around anyway. Yeah. <laughs> so what you do is you you let them experience that. Let them experience the consequences of it. And at another moment unrelated – yeah. You know, you can bring the subject up in such a way, not about how they did it wrong, but bring it up about a story about somebody else or about yourself when you were younger, the way you did something and, you know, the way, you, you know, it messed things up for you and whatever. Do it in such a way that they get the message without telling them, you know, without putting them down, without making that they failed, they're wrong, they don't know. Find another way to do it. And that way, the message will be taken in and appreciated as opposed to pushed away because it doesn't feel good. It feels prickly and cold, so they push it away. You just have to do it with the right context. Yes. Yes. So I want to take this time to wish everybody a happy holiday and to find that Christmas spirit or the spirit of the season and just really enjoy that and thank you Tom I always love having you on my show um, I'm always grateful for the message that you bring and how we connect together in a space of love and I know that that's your intention whenever we get together so I always yes. am grateful yeah. so, the idea is that we say something that's useful to <laughs> other people and you were very smart to get your your uh, your speech in early in the game. That was very clever of you. You should you should do that every time. It's the only chance you're going to get. Yeah. After you introduce me, you know, it's, it's your your chance for talking is gone. So watch. Yes. So you've been listening to News for the Heart. We've been getting to the heart of what matters with regards to the holidays. Thank you, Tom. And we'll be back next month. It will be near the end of the month, so right before the beginning of the new year. And we'll probably talk about New Year's resolutions. So that's always a good show, too. 
Have a question for Lori and want to be on the next News from the Heart show? Drop us a line via instant feedback at bmajor.org. News from the Heart is brought to you by Intuitive Soul and is produced by Major Radio for Clear Channel's iHeartRadio and bmajor.org. 